You are now entering the circle of confusion, exposing the business of photography. Hello and welcome to this episode number 42, very significant number, of the Circle of Confusion Photography Podcast. I am Peter Cox and with me tonight are Mr. Neil McShane. Hello. And Mr. Roger Overall. Who the hell are you? Yeah, who's, the, who's, the, who's, this, who's this guy taking over our podcast, right? did you get in here? Where's security? Yeah. Security? You know, your security <laughs> controls are very lax. They just let anybody walk in there. Well, evidently. evidently. We did, did un-Skype un- him. He had to Skype himself back on again. <laughs> I know, try as they might, they just can't get rid of me. Um, here at uh, Circle of Confusion Recording Headquarters, which is uh, a global um, operation, at least Span- in Ireland. Spans an entire country. That's how big our studio is. <laughs> No, no wonder security's so lax. I mean, there's just too many doors for people to get in. Well, that's Come, it, exactly. Come here. Welcome back, Peter. Well, thank you very much. It's no, good to be back. Don't encourage him. I know. I'm too. As you say, we're too tired on this podcast to do to care anymore. I know. I'm, I'm not even going to ask Neil how he is because it's just going to be. I'm tired. I'm tired. Miserable. Going to kill myself. <laughs> I know. I'm a fine farmer. Brain right? the size of a planet. <laughs> and a terrible pain in all the diodes down my left side. There's see, a recurring theme in this podcast, guys. Yeah. See the way he comes back and he lowers the tone already. Oh, I don't know. I mean, that's that's border, borderline literature. That. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so an- answers on a postcard. If um, let, let, let us put it this way: if you do not get any of the references that uh, we'll, Peter and I will be dropping throughout this podcast, please don't listen to the podcast ever again. That's me included then, because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't yes. get the reference. <laughs> yes, Neil needs to be educated in these matters. He does. Um, so back to more serious matters. Um, we have a bunch of stuff to get through today. Um, and we're actually, the, we, we promised last week that we would uh, have the talk about photography as art uh, this week. But uh, to be quite honest, we're all too bloody tired. Um, so we're going to do that next week instead. We will. Let's put that in, in context. I am literally just in the door from a three-day shoot up in Dublin and I am wrecked. Peter is almost literally just in the door from his trip to Iceland and a bit of an adventure in London, which I'm sure we'll talk about and neil is just in the door from a photography meeting uh, which we'll also talk about later on and as well as that i have a, I have a sick child that's uh, that probably barge in the door because he has a high temperature and he's sleepwalking <laughs> so <laughs> if you hear some funny noises in the background of my and my sound recording you know why <laughs> we will get we will get back to that topic Someday. We will. Someday, someday. Um, Okay, so we're going to lead off with um, uh, news of something that's not going to be anymore again. Um, And that is that Fuji have announced that they are actually discontinuing um, some of their films. Has has the factory been steamrolled into the ground to make way for a hyperspace speed... uh, Hyperspace highway... (laughs) <laughs> but I thought I, 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 I messed that one up, didn't I? <laughs> it did totally. No, yeah, there was a planning that there was, you know, the, the the planning was there at the beginning, you know, and all they had to go was just, you know, go to the planning office and 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 then if they wanted to file a complaint at that point, then they could. They could have done, and um, could have done. nobody did. Yeah, I think the planning office is in Alpha Centauri or, or someplace like that. It was, and quite honestly, if you can't get to Alpha Centauri, well. You're not evolved enough if, to be protected. Ex- exactly. If you can't be bothered. Um, anyway, sorry. Um, sorry. So, that's no, that's not the case. Uh, that is not the case. What has happened is that um, they are axing, uh, apparently, uh, Velvia 100F 
in uh, th basically all formats, uh, and Velvia 50 in 4x5 and 8x10, but they will keep Velvia 50 in 35mm and 120 which is medium format. Um, so this is quite interesting. Um, you know, they, they've killed Velvia 50 before, um, but then they brought it back. Mm -hmm. um, but this time, it seems it's it's uh, for good in those. But it, I mean, four by five seems to have been, I mean, in, in my um, recollection anyway, kind of a mainstay. Yeah, uh, I would have thought so, yeah. Like Joe Cornish was a big Velvia Fifty guy. Um, Tim Harkins. Uh, yeah. So, but I guess there's just not enough of them in the world to justify keeping making it. Well, I think also, I mean, where would you get it processed at this point? Because getting E6 processed anyway is actually very hard. Um, yeah, there's it, no labs in Ireland that do it anymore. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. But remember, I'm Peter Gordon, right. uh, he he shot, he shot his book, and he had to he had to get the films and go fly over to London, and get them processed there because no lab over here could do them. Mm -hmm. And that was just uh, that was straightforward E6, was it? That wasn't. Yeah, any, yeah, it was it? Yeah, it was. It, it, was, it, it, well, it was medium format. Things, so. It was medium format, yeah. so that's why he, he, no one could process it over here. So we had to go to London. And it's going to go the same way as Kodachrome, where there's going to be one lab in the world, and then eventually they're going to say, look, you know, we're just going to have to close this line. Um, yeah. I never it, have you ever guys ever used Velvian before? Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I never, never did. I, I didn't like it for some reason. Yeah, I wonder what that's got. If that's got to do with anything, <laughs> something to do with your style of photography, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> have you ever used color film ever? Yeah. Oh right. Okay. I did. I, st I, st I started off. <laughs> used it as a as a I don't know for smoking or something. <laughs> I don't know, so. To light a fire, you know that celluloid is in it. I, I light it, and then it, boom, it goes up in flames very quickly. There you go, yeah, fire lit. Great, great, <laughs> great, great way to start a barbecue. Yeah, when you're out camping in the middle of nowhere, you know how are you going to start the fire? I'm no bear grills. Just get a can of get a can of Fuji Velvia film and light it. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, in a way, it's kind of I, I, there'll be a load of people listening to this podcast going, "Well, so what? You know, Velvia's gone. Never used Velvia. Don't know what it is. Haven't used film." Um, and then there's going to be old people like me who go, "Yeah, I can remember using Velvia, mm. and I can remember using um, was it Astia? That was another yeah. one. and Provia. Yeah. Provia yeah. was my favourite." You know, I've got some. I've actually got some expired Velvia fifty in my fridge, and and uh, somebody said recently that unless you've got expired Velvia 50 in your fridge you're not a real photographer <laughs> I, I know somebody I know somebody who has 126 film I actually Ooh. have a 126 camera and I've no film and I know another photographer who's got a boatload of 126 uh, which is a medium format it's, it's uh, basically it's 120 but the spool is thinner and uh, the, the expiration date is uh, December 1932 <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, was medium format film around at that stage? Yes, it was. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's surprising. I didn't, I thought it, I didn't, yeah. didn't realize it was got, went back that far. It, and, it, and, it, and the um, and the boxes are beautiful. Um, the packaging is just gorgeous. And um, so what we're going to do is we're, we're going to do a little project where we're going to take a roll of this stuff, run it through my camera, and then see if we can get any kind of image from it. Oh, that'd be class. <laughs> I'd like I'd like to see that. Yeah, I'm not holding out any great hope that there's going to be any kind of image on it. But, hey, we won't know until we do it. Exactly. But, but, but just because they're getting rid of Velvia, it's not gone, is it? No, it's not, because... There's, uh, a, magic, there's a magic button, isn't there? <laughs> there is a magic button, yes. As, uh, as the boys were intimating last week, uh, I did, in fact, um, purchase uh, rather, uh, shall we say... Hastily. Um, <laughs> hastily... Um, yeah, spur of the momenty. I um, like it. Fuji, 
no. Actually, put us out of our misery, Peter. Where did you buy it? Because we said you bought it on the plane on the way over to Iceland. But it sounded not quite. But I I bought it in the duty free. You are right then. So and you went in for what, like a memory card or something? We've got a memory card, but it comes with this. It comes in this rather nice packaging. Because Peter Peter wouldn't have any memory cards that would fit his camera, so he had to buy a memory card. Actually, no, I I got him to throw the memory card in for free. Actually. <laughs> yeah, I think you'll find that if you spend what sixteen hundred euros on a camera, the memory card is hardly free. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what did you get anyway? Because we still haven't told people what you got. Uh, I got a Fuji X Pro One, yeah. um, which has, uh, among other things, a Velvia button on it. Uh, uh, it has it actually has presets for if you're shooting JPEG for um, all of the Velvia films. Uh, or all the sorry, all the Fuji films. Okay. Um, so it's kind of interesting. But then if you shoot, and if you shoot raw, it doesn't really do much for you. No, no. Is it, and also, if you you know, if you want fantastic bright, saturated colours, um, there's a slider in Photoshop and Lightroom. Cool. And, yeah, and called saturation. <laughs> Surely that will do. Or there's a vibrance one as well. Vibrancy one. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So anyway, so you what's have the camera X, like? Yeah, come yeah, on. You have an X Pro One. So what's it like? And what lens did you get with it? I got the 35 1.4, which is uh, which I, I discovered after the fact is actually the best regarded of the of the three lenses that it are is. available yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I I have a complicated relationship with it. <laughs> you do with all your cameras, Peter. By the way, which, 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 nothing which is, unusual which, there. Yeah. This is P- Peter Peter's status. It's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, it's interesting. There was actually another guy um, on the on the workshop uh, who who had also has a, an expert one, um, and so uh, we, we were able to to chat about it, and we had, we had our little expert one support group <laughs> within the workshop. Um, that doesn't but, bode well for a camera if you need a support group. <laughs> <laughs> it's a camera that you know. It is really interesting as a camera. You know, I picked it up. I played with it. I really like the feel of it. Um, I could see that I could get it for you know a, a worthwhile uh, discount um, uh, in the shop in the airport, and actually it wasn't a duty free shop; it was a discount. For, uh, so I still had to pay tax, which mm-hmm. is fine because I can actually now claim that back, which I yeah. wouldn't have been able to do if it was free, truly duty free. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, the, financially, it, you know, well, to say it made sense would be nonsensical because it didn't really, but it was a little bit less painful than it might otherwise have been. I'm sure it uh, made uh, great financial sense when you explained it to your wife. <laughs> yeah, well, she's going to hear about it probably on the podcast. Cause <laughs> she, she looked at it when I, when I brought it home. She says, that looks expensive. <laughs> And by the way, just the Peter's wife does does a, does a bit of editing on the show notes anyway, so she's definitely going to know about it, Peter. <laughs> um, so okay, well, but, let's back back to the camera. What what do you like about it? What don't you like about it? Um, I like the feel. I like the um, the hybrid viewfinder. I think is excellent. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I, I, one thing I don't like about it though is that the frame lines in the hybrid viewfinder are not accurate. Um, they're actually smaller than what's actually captured, which is really, and by a reasonable margin, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's definitely you get, you know, a goodly amount outside the frame lines in your in your composition, which makes composing a little awkward. Um, <clears throat> although if you look at, use the hybrid viewfinder in the uh, electronic viewfinder mode, then it's accurate, but then I don't like using that. Um, I also really, one of the things I really like about it is that you can actually, you can flip the viewfinder from a kind of a standard view where the for the 35 millimeter lens the frame lines are uh, maybe you know sort of there's a, there's a good there's a, a small but decent gap between them and the edge of the visible area 
so that you see more than is captured. Um, but you can also then flip it to kind of a really wide angle view where the 35 mil frame line is just a very small portion of the overall, which is great if you're in kind of, you know, uh, street photography mode and you want to see what's going on outside the frame lines, um, what's coming into the frame. Um, I don't like, in fact, I despise the autofocus system because it's broken, quite frankly. Um, it's very slow. Um, uh, although it's quicker than previous ones, it, it's, and it's not very slow, but it's, it's slow. Uh, and it's also not accurate because if you, the autofocus point you see in the viewfinder is not what is actually used if the, uh, if the subject is closer than a certain distance. Hmm. And very often I've actually had, uh, you can, you can set the things so you can see the, 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 the non, the, the, like the infinity focus point and then the, the close distance focus point. And then it usually focuses somewhere between the two. I've had both of those covered, covering the subject like well covering the subject and focused and it's focused on the background, you know? So it's really, really, it's worse than the Canon 5D Mark II focus system. I was going to say that they take some lessons from Canon on that one. Well, at least the, 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 the 5D Mark II generally focuses on the subject. Eventually. Um, Eventually. Unless you're shooting bread. Bread. Soda exactly. bread. Yes. <laughs> I refer yeah. everybody to last week's podcast. <laughs> um, so that's what I don't, uh, I, I, I really don't like that. Uh, and, you know, by comparison, then actually on the workshop, we, we met, bumped into a, uh, an English photographer who's a, a freelance uh, sports photographer. And he was carrying with him uh, an Olympus OMD, which I... Uh, asked him, what do you mind if I played with it a little bit? And I did. And the OMD's autofocus system is brilliant. Mm. It is zippy fast. It's amazingly fast. It's is the it f I've never OMG fast? It's, <laughs> it is OMG fast. It really is. It was, it was, it was for, especially for, uh, for kind of a, whatever they call it, um, is it phase detection or whatever? The, 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 the one where basically it's focusing on the image and the sensor. It's not using traditional autofocus sensors. Mm. And it's, uh, so it's adjusting the uh, focus of the image based on what it sees in the sensor. Um, it's, it's always historically been very slow, and that's what the uh, X-Pro1 uses. Uh, but this is like instantaneous. It's really good. Mm. Um, uh, and so I was talking to him about that, and he says, yeah, but there are other things about it that you'll, will drive you nuts. <laughs> um, so it seems with cameras of this type that it seems to be the case. So I, I use the X-Pro1 fairly extensively on the workshop just for recording, you know, photographing the people, the participants, and doing all of that, um, and just having a bit of fun with it. And started out really not liking it. Um, and as time went on, I started to get to grips with it a little bit. I get to kind of figure out the autofocus system a little bit better. So I was getting more reliable results. But, um, you know, and the, and the files out of it are beautiful, but they're, you know, I don't know. I'm going to use it. The, what I was thinking of when I bought it was that I would reuse it for a little bit of fun with people photography, but mainly to photograph Liam. Uh, because it's a small camera, uh, you know, it's got high quality, uh, nice shallow depth of field, mm. and uh, I, I would just always be around, and I would pick it up and use it for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, can I, can I, yeah, can I, can I just sort of tell your your problem there? What's Le that? <laughs> Liam moves like at the speed of light, <laughs> <laughs> and you can't zone focus on this thing, can you? Or can you? Uh, you can. You, you can, can manually focus. Manually focus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There, well, there is there, there's there's a view there's a depth of field scale that it gives you which is useless because um, <laughs> uh, because it because it's far too conservative. Okay. Um, but uh, you, I mean, you can figure out where the focus is and zone focus. Mm. Yeah, and the manual focus as well as fly by wire and it's shit. 
Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just it's 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 nowhere near the quality that it should be for the price that it is. I'm 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 thinking about selling it. I, I'm I'm not decided on that yet, but I'm for the for the for the what I paid for it, and for the use it's going to get, and for the the problems that it has. I don't know. So that's not a great ringing endorsement for the person that's going to potentially buy it from me. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It, it's the kind of camera that you either like. like um, Stuart, who has who is the guy that has it on the on the on the trip, he really likes it, and he went through a phase of hating it. Um, and in fact, he's got an OMD that at home he basically ordered pre-ordered an OMD, went into a shop that had the X Pro One, saw that it had it, that they had it there, uh, fell in love with it, bought it but couldn't cancel his OMD order because it was too late. So he has an OMD at home, and he's, he's got to sell one of them. And he's probably, I think, going to sell the OMD. Hmm. But he, he needs to play with that one as well and figure out which one he likes better. Did the, the guy you spoke to had the, the OMD, what, what, say, okay, the autofocus is super fast, which is what everybody's saying. What were the things, did he give you any idea what he didn't like about it? I think he might have mentioned it, but I'm, I was too tired at the time and I'm too tired now to remember them. So uh, there, there, uh, it, was, it was fiddly user stuff. Okay. You know, I think it was, was what it boiled down to. It's a neat little camera. Um, uh, it really is a cool uh, looking little camera. But um, yeah, and I, I fiddled with it and I, I you know, I was just, imp- I just remember being really impressed with the autofocus. Mm. And how does the, um, the X-Pro and the OMD, how do they sit in your hand? Uh, the OMD is a little small. It's for my hands. It was a little uncomfortable. The X Pro One sits beautifully in the hand. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, there's an optional grip, uh, extended grip you can get for it, which actually Stuart had, and I tried on mine. It just screws into the tripod socket on the bottom, and it's, it does nothing except be a grip. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't add any battery life or any buttons or anything. Um, and I found it actually made the camera feel much worse. My hand felt felt less stable. So um, if you're going to get one, get one without the grip. Okay. Well, we might actually come back to this in a couple of weeks, and when you've, or, or a month or so, when you've had a bit more, you know, time with it. Mm-hmm. Play, more playtime, yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. to see if, uh, yeah, if if you if your opinion changes or whether you actually go, look, I just can't be bothered to work with this thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, you know, it's it's something that I, w- I would use for workshops. I would use for photographing Liam. We'll see. You know, well, is 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 what I'm gonna do with that but i'm probably going to sell my panasonic gf1 uh, which i was my previous camera for that purpose which is a lovely little camera actually but it doesn't have a um the optical viewfinder that was the thing that really got me going on the x pro one um but anyway um moving on to other cameras that are mirrorless um we have uh canon have released their mirrorless camera at long last at long last is right Whoop-de-doo. Yeah, what do we think of it? And, and it doesn't look at all like what we were hoping it was going to be look like. It looks like somebody squashed, ran over a, a, an AOS 650 and flattened it and chopped off the uh, pentaprism, which is exactly what it is, actually. It, yeah, it is, looks, uh, looks like a compact d- camera. Yeah, it, it has the whole sensor, whole inerts. Everything inside is the exact same as an AOS 650. Uh, a bar it has no mirror, obviously, and the, the LCD on the back of it is touch-sensitive. It's, it's all multi, multi-gesture. Uh, sensitive on it, you know, so you can point. Uh, Which point is in the pretty back of cool it. and fair. Yeah, so you it. can point, you can focus by pointing on on the back of the LCD. Which is pretty good. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've, um, I mean, well, the, the focus thing is pretty cool, but I mean, the the phase one that I have 
has a touchscreen LCD, uh, and it's just brilliant. I mean, it's it's the way of the future. So I'm glad to see that it's uh, on a you know camera that doesn't cost an arm and a leg. Yeah, and as well as that, that I that, that's what I, again. If you were to sell your Fuji, I thought this would be ideal for you then, Peter, because you can slap on all your Canon lenses and just buy the adapter, and you can use all your Canon EOS lenses. Yeah, that's but not going to unbalance the camera. Well, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, this is you know, I. I, I Somebody was asking me in the workshop about, um, you know, like small portable cameras, and I was recommending, like, actually the Fuji X10 or the X100 as a as a kind of a nice carry around thing, because uh, Daniel Bergman has the X10, which is the cheaper version of the X100, and really likes it, because it's it really does fit in your pocket, and the like the whole the whole mirrorless thing, with using. Uh, Normal SLR lenses just kind of seems to me to defeat the purpose. Yeah, have you seen you the know, photograph? Could, of, have you seen the photograph of that stuck on the back of a seventy-two hundred mil f two? It looks ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I mean, and even if you're using like a like a twenty-four to seventy, I mean, that's that's a, it's a ridiculous lens. It's going to completely unbalance it, as Roger says. And is, yeah. why do you have a small mirrorless camera if you're going to use these big lenses? I'm sure it's it's nice to have the option, I suppose. But, but it's like really if every, the it's something you buy the the twenty mil, the twenty-two mil small little, little STM lens. And that'd be lovely. And then, if you need to go bigger and as a you know as another camera, slap on a big lens, and there you have it. Because it's the same resolution, same again, it's same as a six fifty. So it's eighteen megapixels uh, camera raw. So it, the quality is actually going to be very very good out of it. But isn't that lens? Doesn't it focus awfully slowly? Isn't that yeah. what everybody's saying? Is that if, if yeah. people are sort of going, "Wow, what a great idea to have this this lens," and oh dear, it doesn't focus very quickly yeah. at all. I mean, just looking at the camera, it doesn't seem particularly inspired. I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. um, it just, from a design standpoint, it really, I mean, what Neil says, it looks like a point and shoot, it looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's a very uninspiring design. It's odd. I mean, Canon have had plenty of time to, to do this. I mean, they've had all the time in the world to look at what everybody else has been doing yeah. and what they've been doing wrong. And what they've been doing right, and to and to heed those lessons, and it just doesn't seem like they've done it. I mean, they've got a lens on there that doesn't focus for shit. They've got, um, you know, an uninspired-looking body. When everybody else, I mean, they, it was a great opportunity for them to make it, you know, to kind of go retro and 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 you know, reinvigorate people that use the old like the A was it the A one that we were thinking it was going to look yeah. like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, even if they didn't do that, they could put. They could just do something with it, and um, they just—they've gone for something very boring and uh, and safe and and mm-hmm. really rather forgettable. Mm-hmm. They're after that market that people that want you know high quality digital SLR quality, but they don't want the big huge cam- DSLR cameras. So that's their yeah, but they're going to use their ploy. yeah, yeah. So you know, it, it's it's their market. It it'll give you the exact same quality as a digital SLR because it's it is a digital SLR just being ran over by a steamroller. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, no, I don't like it at all. Quality might be low, but just it doesn't inspire me to do anything really. We're we're probably not the target audience though. To be no, fair. we're not. No, no, no we're not. It's but after, I, uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's after. So, uh, it's a different market than us. It's as simple yeah. as that. I mean, I can't. I mean, I just cannot conceive of, of using a camera that doesn't have some kind of optical viewfinder or window to look through. Says he who uses his iPhone. But you know, that, that's kind of not. But this is what this is after. This is after the iPhone smartphone brigade that are used to touch and not looking through a viewfinder. 
You know, that's what this is after. It's not after us that are used to sticking well, no, I right think, up against the camera. I, I, I think it's, it's, it's after people that are looking for a lighter option than a, a DSLR, and that encompasses professionals and otherwise uh, as well. You know, and certainly it's, you know, a viewfinder, the optical viewfinder, is, it's going to take up more space. The thing needs to be bigger. I mean, it would be nice if the, it doesn't look like there's a, an option to put an accessory uh, viewfinder on it. Uh, like, for example, with the Panasonic GF1, you can stick a, a, a little uh, hot shoe mounted mm-hmm. uh viewfinder and their supposition with the like m10 um i think you guys were talking about that last week weren't you yeah there is uh, yeah. there seems to be some kind of connection port just below yeah. the flash hot shoe yeah right. so i mean that that would be it would be a decent option i think that might uh, excite people but then again electronic viewfinders are not inspiring to look through so mm. i just read uh, what it says here the uh, the the eosm is the perfect take-anywhere partner for a new breed of enthusiasts who chronicles their lives through images without necessarily considering themselves to be photographers. Now, Neil, if Canon want to do marketing bump through this <laughs> podcast, they're going to have to pay for it. Is that marketing bump? It sounded like a no, stand-up it's on, routine. It's on their, it's on their, it's on their <laughs> website. It's <laughs> awful. Who wrote that? What kind, of, what kind of nonsense is that? Read that, read that again. Seriously. No, read no, the, please, the, don't, that, that. please don't. A new breed of hybrids. Of enthusiasts. Of, in, of enthusiasts. Who, chronica- who chronicles their lives through images without necessarily considering themselves whoever to wrote, be Whoever wrote that has never taken a picture in their work. What a load of rubbish. Goodness me. <laughs> and it's available in a few colours as well. <laughs> white, silver, red, and black. Yeah, I'm going to get the white one. It's, it's that kind God, of, I love the white color one actually. It's that kind of marketing department that gets the fjords built in Africa. That's that's <laughs> that kind of marketing department is that. But that's far too equatorial. Yeah. It's not Northern Arctic enough, you know. Um, so yeah. yeah, and you don't, you do not win awards. Believe me, you do not win awards for building fjords in Africa. But you do for Norway. Yes, um, you do. You win awards. Moving along. Um, so we have uh, a little story about um, uh, leaks from camera manufacturers or leaks by people uh, that, that see early gear from camera manufacturers. Mm. Roger, Neil, one of you guys take this one. Roger, you go. Shall I go? Well, this is a, um, a, a starlet or, or a celebrity in a teenage celebrity. I think she's <coughs> from Hong Kong. And she was enlisted by a camera manufacturer, and I think it was Panasonic. It was, yeah. It was Panasonic. Okay. So, basically, she got one of their pre-release cameras all very hush-hush. And you got yeah, quite the, excited. Yeah, the Lumix it was. Yeah, the Lumix. Lumix. Okay. Yeah. So she got... You need to put your mouth close, closer to the microphone, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm very close now. Um, anyway, she, uh, she actually... Posted, she must have signed a non-disclosure form or whatever. But anyway, so this pop star um, tweeted uh, or posted. No, it was an Instagram, wasn't it? It was an Instagram of this new camera. So basically, she leaked this camera, um, and the uh, Panasonic now want um, a, a large chunk of their feedback, and they've got all very upset and all the rest of it. Um, and in a, you know, in a way, it's kind of well. So what? So this person who is going to promote your camera kind of leaked it a little bit early uh, the worry is is then that some other competitor is going to leap in straight away and uh, and <laughs> with their me too product you know they're going to accelerate their own production their own design and production and release a new product before you get a chance to release the product that you're actually putting out there 
for based, um, yeah, based on a crappy Instagram picture of it. <laughs> Look at when yeah, you but see I, it. I, I, it's a, you know. Yeah, but guess what? This is all done. What's this all done? Well, if you can Abbot. remember the name of the camera, anyway, it, it was it's it certainly the camera. It's, yeah, exactly. It's it's, the camera. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just think, you know, all these leaks. I mean, we all know that. It, isn't it miraculous how Nikon and Canon, generally speaking, their cameras get leaked well beforehand? Um, and That's because they're out in the field testing them, yeah. <laughs> and people it's see the cameras. The, you know. Yeah, there's also probably a, um, you know, I mean, it, it, a lot of these leaks are deliberate. They must, yeah. they must be. They yeah. must But but if so, but basically, we've got this this celebrity who is 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 you know. I, okay, we don't live in Asia, so we don't know how popular she is. But but the fact that she was even chosen for this means that she must have some clout and must have some following. So th- that's great. Surely that is great for a camera manufacturer. And if it gets leaked a couple of weeks beforehand, well, what what competitor is going in that time going to be able to come out and sort of trump you with their latest camera? Um, exactly, uh, I think it's, it's. I think it's largely contrived, and it's it's done exactly what was intended, which is uh, to whole, um, you know yeah, the uh, whole get base, us talking yeah, about the it. whole yeah. basis of of the the little video, which we'll 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 uh, add it to the show notes, was about in this high tech world of uh, of uh, social media. It's very hard for these companies to keep things secret. You know, mm. there's a difference between that and um, espionage, like um, you know, industrial espionage, where they're stealing secrets. That's not what this is. This is that somebody no. <laughs> just took a quick snap of the photograph of the camera that she's she was playing with on on the set, you know, and and put it up on on either mm-hmm. YouTube or Facebook or whatever it was, and she gets sued over it. That's not the same as somebody actually leaking the blueprints for the camera no. and getting the, getting them out. That's ridiculous, you know. Well, I think also it creates um, pre pre-release buzz. It creates mm. a bit of uh, discussion about it. It creates. Well, the thing, you know, and you sort of think about it, you sort of think, well, actually, rather than trying to claw back a fee, they should be bunging her more money because she's generated all this publicity. One of the commentators in the video makes a very good point, and he says, uh, really, as a big company, do you really want to be attacking a teenager uh, who has this big following of teenagers across Asia? It's not really a very savoury thing to be seen doing as a big, large corporation. Um, he was, I think he was sort of suggesting against it. Mm, I think he might have been. Um, but actually, um, on the subject of, of, of cameras and, and new cameras in general, and because we can't seem to um, produce a podcast that doesn't mention it, I just thought I'd bring up the, uh, the 5D Mark III again. Um, uh, you guys were, were ragging on it last week about having more problems, and uh, it was interesting because last week I was experiencing uh, entirely um, a positive reaction from it from because we had several members of the trip had had the Mark III, and in fact Daniel Bergman, who's the uh, uh, the local guide, um, sorry Daniel, um, uh, actually bought one um, uh, two days into the trip um, as a backup camera because he sort of fell into the water uh, and killed his iPhone and was wondering, well, what would have happened if I'd fall in the water and my only camera had gone with me because um, he'd already killed another one recently uh, but that's another story um, remind me but, never to lend him a camera <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's worse than me um, but the uh, he I mean he was uh, just rhapsodizing about it but uh, essentially everybody that uses it um, really seems to like it and certainly I've played with it a bit more since and it is from a usability standpoint just that much nicer than the than the Mark II, mm-hmm. and the autofocus system is stellar. Um, really? Oh gosh. Well, it's basically. I mean, it's 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 
pretty much the same as the 1DX focusing system yeah. and, it, and it performs the same way. So Daniel was using it to uh, photograph puffins in flight uh, with a, f uh, what was it, a 400, no, it was 500 F4 um, and was just going on about it as, as to how, how fantastic the autofocus system was. So, um, But, you know, it is interesting because I was kind of looking closely at it um, thinking, you know, would I buy it? And again, it's the, the the lack of really significant improvements in the high ISO. Like I was looking at um, the digital pictures, um, digitalpicture.com there. They did a comparison testing uh, of, of the various ISOs between it, the 5D Mark II and a couple of other cameras. And, you know, Canon advertised that it's a two-stop improvement. Um, and, you know, Daniel was saying that he was estimating it's about a stop, but looking at these tests, it's actually less than a stop uh, to my eye. Um, so, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm still, I'm still waiting eagerly to see what happens in September when whatever they announce is going to be announced and, um, how it goes. But I would say, uh, that if it's not, um, yeah, that if it's, if it's not a significant improvement in the ISO capacity, then I would definitely be switching to, to Nikon. And I think Daniel will as well. He, he, along with his 1D, 1DS Mark IV, that he uh, or one D Mark IV that he uh, trashed, uh, he also trashed the three hundred two point eight. Uh, but he was walking along basically a kind of a ditch, and the ground just gave way underneath him, and he fell onto the camera, and the camera, the lens, and a, a one point four teleconverter were all destroyed. Um, so he's in order to replace the um, the with the new three hundred two point eight um, because of the price increase, because of the new version, you know, like all the new Canon lenses are more more expensive. Yeah. You can actually get a D eight hundred E. And the like the Nikon equivalent lens for the same money, so he basically gets mm. the lens and a free camera. Mm. <laughs> um, so he's seriously thinking about. Jeez, so would I be seriously thinking about that as well? Yeah, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see. But he's like me; he's waiting to see what Canon come up with in September. Mm. So Canon, if you're listening to this, better come up with something good. <laughs> they they have to because there's a lot of people switching. Yeah. Neil, what are they coming up with in September? I don't know. Oh. Don't ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the, the second part of your answer would suggest you do know something. <laughs> I, don't know the meaning, I don't know the meaning of life, sorry. And everything else. Roger, we haven't asked the right question. We haven't asked the right question. What we'll is we'll have to come up with a podcast presenter uh, that is far more superior to ourselves. Yes. Are far superior to ourselves who will, uh, who will in 10 million years or whatever it is, will we'll ask the right question. Mm, mm. Um, and speaking of uh, things futuristic, Robocams. Yeah, we're back to the Olympics again, everybody. <laughs> but in, 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 in cameras. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I started today, yeah, yeah, and the airport open ceremony is on, on Friday, which is a bit weird, isn't it? That is a bit weird. You'd have thought they'd have the opening ceremony before everybody started. It's a soft games. opening, just to judge uh, judge uh, <laughs> the interest in, in the, among the audience. Yeah, it was a women, women's football. It was women's football, I think it was. Wasn't it? Yeah, they're beta testing the Olympics at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is um, it's all about cameras and Olympics, but it's not what we think. It's, it's Reuters, the agency, have all their cameras nearly all going to be robotic, um, up on stands, so and they have full control of them from off. On site, I know what I mean. So it looks, the it looks very impressive. The rig out <laughs> that's here and that I'm looking at, and we'll post a, a link to the show notes. Mm, and it's to get photographs from 
positions that you really yes. wouldn't want to be as a photographer. Hanging um, upside down out the rafters when they when they're doing the high jump or the long jump, but the photographs they're showing them of as uh, it looks like yeah, it is a woman doing the long jump. Uh, so it's from above her, which is no way as possible by humans, you know. Yeah, so it's uh, could be interesting to see the kind of images that come out of the Olympics. There's some fabulous stuff that came out of the Tour de France. Really, really yeah. excellent stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, just very, very kind of uh, almost impressionistic stuff as well. Very uh, just beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. So and, it'd be very interesting. And to see and as well, it's all one DXs they're using. Is it? Yeah, they're all using one DXs. They're all the new cameras. This is the Olympics. Is really where Canon are pushing this camera. That's why it was launched specifically put out because for the Olympics, you know. So it's going to be major, major uh, kudos for uh, Canon if they get it right, you know. Do we know if mm. the, uh, Reuters are shooting video as well then from those vantage points using the... Um, this the Because that's a that, that does high-definition video, doesn't it, as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, I'm sure they can. I'm sure they will be. Yeah. So, like, mm. uh, they have rakes of cameras here, so at least one or two will be shooting video, you know, as oh. well as stills. But uh, it looks very impressive. Mm. But you could do, using that footage, you could come up with a, just a brilliantly beautiful documentary of the Olympics, couldn't you? Mm. Mm -hmm. mm, interesting. So it's, it's nice to see. Yeah, I want to keep an eye on. Uh, uh, and and are they are they allowed into the stadium? Because they're a bit over thirty centimeters, I think. So oh, I knew somebody was going to come up with that. <laughs> <laughs> they're over thirty feet, aren't they? <laughs> see what, but what, but what they have is they have official accreditation. Uh, they've got yeah, accreditation. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're moving swiftly away from that, and uh, we're going to. So talk I don't think about Peter likes this anymore, right? No. What do you think? Should we talk about Leica? Uh, no, let's not do that. Either. <laughs> I shoot myself over here. Um, we're going to talk about uh, what we've all been up to. Um, so, yeah, has anybody been uh, anywhere? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I was in Iceland recently. Really? What were you Did doing in Iceland? Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell us about your camera, camera spree, your camera spending trip. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did actually. Uh, well, actually, I, I um, there was quite a bit of camera buying. In fact, Daniel was saying this is the first uh, time he's ever led a, a workshop where um, this is Daniel Bergman, who was my was my co guide or co leader on the trip. He's uh, was the local guide, and um, he was uh, saying uh, he's never done a workshop where there's been a shopping trip as part of it because uh, oh. somebody needed to get some uh, Lee filter gear. We were driving through Reykjavik on like the third day of the workshop. So there's a big camera store there. And so we all went in and there was much buying of Lee filters. In fact, it, because it was very bizarre to be in a place where you could actually buy a Lee filter I was gonna say, this is over the counter. This is interesting because uh, Iceland population, what, 300,000? And, Something like that, and, yeah. they've got, and they've got a massive camera store. Now, you're going to have to explain why they've got a massive camera store. I think I know the answer, but just give us an insight as to why they would have a camera store where you can buy Lee filters over the counter. Uh, well, Iceland is, uh, you know, has for several years been, uh, you know, growing as a photography destination. I mean, you, any of these well-known locations within Iceland, now, you'll find workshops all over the place and people with, with impressive cameras. And it's interesting compared to, like, the workshops I run in Ireland, you just don't find that. Um, but actually, this store has been around for a long time. I think I think Daniel Sam was saying he's been doing business with this guy for twenty five years. Wow. Uh, so it's uh, it's not like B and H. It's a, it's a fairly it's a it's about um, I mean it's probably oh, yeah it's a it's a reasonable enough size place and they have a very good stock of pro gear like that. The entire Zeiss lens lineup uh, in a glass case um, uh, <laughs> behind the, uh, the, the the shelf. It's really quite impressive. Uh -huh. Why do you think they have a, a big camera store? Is it that reason? Or? Yeah, was that is that yeah. reason? It's just it's people like you are to blame. 
Yeah, it's yeah, a me- exactly. it's a mecca for landscape photographers. Yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, and it's funny. I actually on the way back at the very end of the trip, I I went in there and bought a second three stop grad because we were saying as we were leaving, um, like the very the very day we left the shop and we were going on to the rest of the workshop, I was talking with this other guy and he was saying, you know, I really should have got like a backup. Uh, of of the grad filters that I use the most because they're really hard to replace. Um, and on, on a trip with Neil a, a, a little over a year ago, I dropped my three-stop right. grad, which is the, the one I use the most, um, and scratched it. And it was uh, I was waiting about four months for a replacement. So on the way back in, because on this trip, I was we were at one location, and it was windy, and I was putting the... Uh, the grad on the camera and the wind just caught the grad out and just blew it right out of my fingers and it went bouncing away across the sand and I thought well that's it gone you know I mean it didn't go very far but it you know it's got to be scratched because these things scratch really easily and I went over and I picked it up and it luckily every time it hit the ground it was on an edge so it actually didn't (laughs) scratch it at all Um, but after that I actually stopped into the place and bought a a backup three stop on the the way home why do you you tweet that Peter because my my three stopper is scratched because I only scratched it there a couple of weeks ago I was in um, not Connemara do you hear me the burn uh, uh, I, I, I dropped the tripod on on, on it, oof. so it has a lovely big scrape right through it. I go, oh, lovely. So why did you tweet? Yeah, so why did you tweet I, that? Because <laughs> you can't get them. Or love them well, I didn't tweet it because I was roaming in Iceland and therefore <laughs> I, I, I was paying like ten ten euro per kilobyte or something like that for my data usage. <laughs> Ouch. Um, <laughs> that was actually eighty cent per megabyte, which is still a ruinous. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was what I was doing. I was leading a workshop in Iceland. Um, Really, uh, you know, it's a fascinating place. This, this was my fourth trip to Iceland, uh, and my second this year, and I'll be going again in September uh, to do uh, autumn landscapes and aurora photography, for which there is still one or two spaces available. Um, so, photocourses.petercox.ie if you're interested. Plug, plug. Uh, sorry for the plug. Um, <laughs> That's all right. We'll, uh, we'll get a fee off you later on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's not, you know, we were great. The the weather was great. It was, um, you know, and the photography was excellent. So uh, everybody was very happy, and I got some nice images. There's been a few of them gone up on my my blog or my website, and okay. I'll be doing a few more in the coming weeks. Lovely, yeah. There's so some nice the, ones there. Right? And the flight home, no trouble. Did you, you know, this did is you, the thing. You, every time, did you, did every you get <laughs> caught in this shop and miss your flight? I mean, what happened? Were you, were you, were you up against the, the the glass display of all this Zeiss with these Zeiss drooling. lenses drooling and and the man going, "Get out of my shop!" And you just and you missed your flight. Uh, not quite, oh, although okay. almost. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, there was some some lice, some Zeiss envy, some Zeiss envy. Um, and in fact, the only thing that kept me from from buying a twenty one. Uh, was well twofold. First of all, you know, I prefer to buy it locally in Ireland because the price would be about the same. Uh, but also, if I'm going to be going to Nikon in a year's time, I don't want to be, you know, have another lens I need to sell. Um, but the, yeah, what happened was I, every time, every time, bar one that I've traveled to Iceland, there has been something that's gone wrong on the return flight. Um, and on this occasion, what happened was my, uh, the plane was delayed leaving Reykjavik by an hour, um, which wasn't too bad, but that had a knock-on effect because it meant I missed my connecting flight, which was an, only an hour and a half layover. So, I, And we were a little late coming in even beyond the hour. So basically, by the time I landed, my plane had already taken off for Dublin. Um, and so, and that was the last flight of the evening. Uh, so I had to spend the night in, in London. And it was bloody hot in London, I can tell you that much. 
Um, and I saw lots of people arriving for the Olympics, but that was it. And then the other thing was waking up the next morning, right? Because this, I think it was the first time I went to Iceland, the similar thing happened. Flight was delayed, I missed the connection. And I was put up in a hotel by the airline. And I was put automatically on the first flight out the next morning, which is 7 a.m., which means you got to wake up at 4 <laughs> to get to the airport. Yeah. And because it was at the end of a, of a trip, I was exhausted. So my alarm went off. And I, I, I remember I got up, I turned it off, and I went back to lay down in the bed and immediately fell back asleep and missed my flight. Uh, and then had to pay, of course, for the for the, the newly scheduled <laughs> flight. Um, so on this trip, I was paranoid that that was going to happen. Um, and so I, but my, I hadn't brought my iPhone charger because it was packed in my checked luggage, which I didn't have. Um, and my iPhone was down to about 20% charge. And that's what I normally use for my alarm clock. Uh, so I set the alarm on that, put it in airplane mode to save the battery and put it there. I had my iPad with me, but there's no alarm clock application for the iPad. Hmm. Like there's no clock application on it. So I had to, you know, go on their wireless. I downloaded a, an alarm clock, which I discovered doesn't work reliably. Like the alarm will always go off, but on my iPad it would off it would go off silently, and then to make matters worse, not much of an alarm, is it? No, not um, really. And here's a fire drill: if you hear this, yeah. please make your way to the exit. <laughs> Pretty much. So then, you know, they told me at reception that I could program a, a wake up call on my on the phone in the room, and that didn't work. Um, and I was just too tired to go down. So I basically I set up the iPhone, set up the iPad, having kind of figured out a way that maybe possibly would make it go off loudly. And I went to sleep. And it did in the, in the end, you know, they both went off at 4 a.m. and I got out no, with no difficulties. But uh, it did mean it added basically a whole day to my journey. Got in a four o'clock start, which you didn't need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's all right. I, I stopped in the gallery on the way home and signed a bunch of prints. So now I'm, uh, I'm, I won't be going in there until Monday. Uh, so I'm, and I'm off to Skelly Michael for two days, uh, two nights uh, on the weekend, which I'm rather looking forward to. Very good. Very good. <laughs> what have you been up to, Roger? I was in, um, I was in Dublin for a documentary food shoot. Um, and if, if I didn't miss any flights. I didn't oversleep. Um, but I did. I had to go. Actually, this was quite interesting because I had to go out and buy some props, which as a documentary photographer, I'm not really used to doing, of course. Um, but this particular client, there were certain things that you know they just needed to make sure that the, the equipment that was being used was, um, you know, the nicest they could make it. One of the things I had to go out and buy was a stainless steel knife, um, with a just in one piece. You know, so you got the stainless steel. Uh, handle as well mm, yeah. and um, I started shopping all around Dublin trying to find stuff and I, what, God I come across came as a side thing you know you sort of look at cameras and you go you've got your your cheap cameras your middle range cameras you've got your really expensive stuff like like your Likers and all the rest of it God the same applies to uh, kitchen knives I tell oh, you God, yeah. bloody yes. hell anyway um, so anyway I've, I eventually found a uh, 20 centimetre uh, carving knife which was just absolutely perfect and um, it took me about two, two hours to find the bloody thing. Anyway, and I was meeting my uh, one of my wife's uncles in the evening who lives up in Dublin. He's a, he's a lecturer at one of the universities up there. And um, I, I walk into his flat and he goes, uh, now, I have this thing for you. And he said, I bought it as a, as a gift for because I know you, you guys are into cooking and all the rest of it. And he picks up um, what can only be described as a briefcase and he pops it open. Full of knives. <laughs> Full of knives. <laughs> 
and you just think, well, what are the odds? You know, what are, what are the odds? You know, God. So, um, but anyway, so that's yes. It doesn't actually compare to your stories of Iceland, but that's about as exciting as my life gets. So I was up in Dublin on a three-day shoot, which really, really enjoyed. Was very, very tiring, but shoots always are, um, and you get really into them, don't you? You know, when you're really yeah. into a shoot, yeah. time flies, and you forget to eat, and you just, you just doing it. So it was, just, it was really, really enjoyable. Um, work for um, uh, a new client and an agency that I've done some work with uh, previously. Um, and again, the previous work was was, was documentary kind of stuff uh, for a food producer as well. Um, d- just in case people are wondering, you're being a little bit sort of non-committal about the clients. The kind of the way it works when when you shoot commercial stuff is you you can't really say anything about the client until the work has appeared in the public domain. So that's why I'm not naming brands and what have you, just in case people are wondering. Well, just tell us who it is. I can't. Um, (laughs) Well, you you could tell us, but then you'd have to kill us, which would be difficult because we're distributed. You're distributed, (laughs) yes. You're spread out across across the universe. Um, But, um, yes, so that's really, really my story. Uh, not very exciting at all, really. Neil, tell us, you've you've been somewhere. You had a meeting yeah. today, didn't you? Yeah, I was in Dublin you were in yesterday. Dub- were you? Yesterday, yesterday. <laughs> hey, tell me, you were at some thing, something called People's Photography, weren't you? Yes. <coughs> Excuse me. This is a. This happens every every year. It's around the. It's outside uh, St Stephen's Green in Dublin, which is a, a a park in the middle of Dublin city centre. It's like Dublin Central Park. Yeah, exactly. There's, so there's railings all around it. So once a year. Uh, at the weekends, usually the last weekend in August, and it's on this year again, the twenty fifth, twenty sixth of August. Um, you the show photographs. It's an exhibition, so you apply online. Uh, anybody can apply, and you get you get a little you get a little space. I think it's what eight foot by eight foot wide, if you know what I mean. And you hang your photographs up. No, normally, this is what we have problems with. It is an exhibition. It's not. You can't go around and hang up for sale twenty dollars or twenty euros for this. hundred. It's not that Which kind of exhibition. Which has always, always annoyed me about it. Yeah, it's not that type of. It's an exhibition to show off. Now you can sell your work, but you can't blazingly pl- uh, plot like for sale, for sale. You know, it's nice. It's there, and yeah, if you know, if somebody wants to buy it, yes, you can sell it. So that's the whole idea, and it's twenty five euros uh, for the two days, uh, and that's it. That's all you have to pay for the two days. You know, it starts on a Saturday morning, 10 o'clock, goes on right through till 6 o'clock Saturday and same on a Sunday. Uh, I've been doing it now for, what, eight, nine years now, and I get a, I get a great kick out of it. I love it. Um, hang on me work up, and then I go around seeing everybody else's work and talk to all the other photographers that were there that, that you meet up, you meet for friends, you know. And um, But we had a meeting there uh, on Tuesday, and that's the reason why this podcast is a day late, because everybody's away on Tuesday. But um, uh, we allocate the spaces, so everybody's applied. Now, last year we had 198 uh, people exhibition, uh, and this year we only have 140 uh, exhibitors. So it's the so numbers. That's are, a 25 percent reduction. Num- yeah, the numbers are down. Would so, they? Uh, would that? Would, I mean, it, it's still a, a month to go, is it? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, there is spaces available. Oh God! Hopefully, the the will because there is plenty of spaces available. You know. But normally at this stage, the, I mean, normally you've got to get your stuff in early, otherwise you don't get a space, right? That's normally yeah, the way it works. Yeah. Well, see, the, the, the reason be, it's because of the Office of Public Works, with the people who run the St. Stephen's Green, they've closed down two of the sides because of the Lewis, the trains, you know? So they've closed down two sides. So there's only two sides available now. 
and that's usually like up to like a good few years ago it was always oversubscribed uh, and now it's slowly dwindling and we're talking about that and I've come to the conclusion that it is down to it's just down to economics a lot of people that go to this are you know hobbyists you know they want to show off the work and try and sell it but they have to get the prints made they have to print them they have to get them framed and hang them up so it costs an awful lot of money so I am on the conclusion that's the reason why it's not as well attended so far uh, mm. so we've put the word out that there is still place because everybody again it's, it's, it's a bit annoying because everybody wants to be on the north side which is the side that all the public will walk up and down uh, where all the hotels are but a lot of people love the east side uh, and it's real community eff effect they have like boards.ie they, they, they want the east side they want 20 spaces on the east side you know, and they 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 do it as a like a community, a good day out, you mm -hmm. know, a good weekend out. Which is that that's the part I like about it, you know. But tell me this, Neil. The the um, so the way it works with it, as far as buying goes, as you say, that people can can buy the work, but yeah. you can't put up price tags. See, I think they have. You can put up a little booklet which can yes. uh, is folded over, and then yes. people can look at that. Exactly. Now, is is that is that stipulation something the OPW puts in place, or is that uh, something <coughs> the organisation? Yes, it, yes, it is. It is. It is. It is. It's an OPW. It's it's it is. Yeah, that's it's from so, okay, this. So which is a real shame because it's I mean, it's, yeah, because you have to get trading license. You see, we're not trading license. You see. Yeah, but so, you can still sell the work. It's one of these ridiculous yeah. things where everybody knows the stuff's for sale, but you can't put it up blatant. And this is the thing. I mean, the, the, there are few enough sales made at People's mm -hmm. Photography in general. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but it would be, you know, a part of that, I think, is, is because people just don't realise they can buy the stuff. It's mm. like, um, it's, it's almost like uh, one of the farmer's markets where I go to and, um, you know, you can... You can um, buy apples and you get a, a free bottle of cider with every apple you buy. Um, and the apples are bloody expensive. They're two euros, they're two euros a pop. Um, well, let's get, yeah. Because last year, um, <coughs> Peter knows, uh, Peter's seen it actually. I have um, the Dark Hedges, a lovely big, huge uh, 40 inch, 42 inch version of it in black and white. And I bring that with me. Not nearly as nice as mine, though. Uh, it is. <laughs> <coughs> a lot nicer um, and I hanged it up in the middle and I put all my prints around it and it just drags the crowds in as Peter knows you've seen the print it's fabulous yeah. even even your colour yeah, one you know it, it just draws no, the crowds it's, in it's beautiful yeah, and, yeah um, Peter even your colour one mm. <laughs> I know I like that yeah well mine's better because it's got colour you see yours has only got one kind of, of information which is tonal information whereas mine's got both colour and tonal information <laughs> sorry <coughs> So anyway, uh, this guy came up to me and wanted to buy it. I told him, no, sorry, you can't buy it. What do you mean you can't buy it? I said, it's, I'm not selling that one. I said, that's my one. That's my version of it. But hanging on my wall, I, uh, if you want one, I'll print you your own version of it. And he <laughs> Neil, goes, oh, you're okay. a rubbish salesman. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, the really, reason did he buy it, it He did. He went online and bought it online, you see. Because <laughs> that, that's why I, I, I hardly sell anything there and then. Because usually the big frames are there. But all my work is um, goes abroad. So I, I hand out business cards. I hand last year I handed out three hundred and twenty business cards. Wow! And I get sales afterwards. I got about ten or twelve, fifteen sales a week or two weeks after the event, and they all go abroad. Mm. You know, so that's the, so people see see the frame image. Oh, I love that! But how can they fold it up 
a 30 inch print and fold it up and bring it on their on the airplane in their suitcase what you haven't got folding glass yet you know so that's the reason why there are folding prints uh, so that's the reason why I d- it doesn't bother me if I don't say anything there and then it's if I yeah. hand out the business card that's what I'm it is a lot of fun and I would encourage people if they're listening to this podcast and they're you know if you're just a hobbyist and you know you've, you've never shown your work before this is a really great way to do it because it's very cheap it's you know 25 quid or whatever it is day, for the yeah. stand and then you pay a little bit for the framing but you don't have to do it you could even hang the stuff up on people yeah you know? people hang a piece of wire and they uh, close pegs you know it's, yeah exactly so and so it's it, it's a really good way to get your work seen it is a lovely atmosphere as neil has said it's a great community you get to see other people's work you get people's critique on your own work it's uh, it's just it's a nice experience and you might sell a thing or two you never know because yeah, then because it doesn't cost that much to do and there's a very good chance you can recoup your outlay anyway is mm. it is it really the economy that's doing it i mean is it not just well it must be something else maybe well, it has to be i mean i think i think people do i think i think people do there is a cost associated with the framing and if you want to do it kind of nicely you have to frame the stuff i mean you can do it without framing but the you know it's much nicer to frame the work mm-hmm. and um like, I yeah, mean, last year it cost me 250 euros to get the the 12 images framed Hmm. Hmm. Okay. You know, and that I didn't sell any of them. They none of them sold. You know, but I still have them frames. So, uh, you know, that's a massive outlay. And then it's another fifty euros then for you know because uh, I had two spaces, so I was I was fifty euros. So that's two hundred euros. You know, for the weekend. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, a lot okay. of money for people that are just doing it as a hobby. But I, I encourage them to. It's a great day out, even if you don't want to exhibit and uh, just come along and view and spur you on to do other things, you know, to well, view other people's photography because it's, it's diverse and it's fantastic, you know. What are the dates again, Neil? Uh, August the 25th and 26th. Okay. Usually the last weekend. And it's actually it's on the same weekend as the tall ships are in uh, uh, Dublin. Yeah, very good. So hopefully there's more crowd there, you know. Yeah. Very good. Um, so let's see now. We're moving on, and um, I think there's just one other item which is uh, I want to mention, which is uh, Darren Muldowney uh, of uh, Dulra Photography um, is doing a, a fund it campaign, which is the Irish version of Kickstarter, uh, to produce a nice uh, hardcover copy of his existing book, which is called Jewelry Box, which is a book of photographs of tidal pools around the country. It was really quite beautiful. Um, so I just wanted to. Uh, put in a thing there you guys if you're at all interested we'll put a link in the show notes oh yeah we will um, and uh, it's uh, you know he's trying to raise 10,000 euros to have the book printed he's about halfway uh, with I think 19 days to go or t- maybe it's 10 days um, no 19 days um, so well worth checking out and uh, you'll get a nice quality book at the end of it um, so the that brings us to the end mm. Uh, sorry, we've, we we started this podcast and we were both saying, you know, what if we don't do the art discussion? What have we got to talk about, really? And here we are almost an hour later. <laughs> so we do apologize for that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we have nothing to add. I'll shut up now. <laughs> so think, without... I think we could wrap it up there exactly. Yeah. Without further ado, so long. Thanks for all the fish. Good night. Hang on, hang on, come back. Tell people where they can find us. Oh my gosh, yes. I they usually make a hames of this all, every weekend. Every well, see, week. here I've done it now. See, this is, we're going to have to go back in time. Uh, right, yes, you can find us as always, circleofconfusion.ie, not the circle of confusion, but the circleofconfusion.ie. <laughs> Um, you can find the show notes there if you're listening to us on iTunes if you're not listening to us on iTunes and you'd like to get automatic updates every week when the podcast comes out then you can subscribe to us there just search for Circle of Confusion in the podcast section Um, 
and of course you can also buy uh, our wonderful uh, downloadable uh, landscape photography tutorial DVD uh, which is called Dynamic Range and there are three episodes of that available for download for a very small fee uh, through dynamicrange.ie and we do encourage you to check that out. So once again, so long and thanks for all the fish. Good night. Good night. Who's been playing Angry Birds? Oh, for God's sakes. <laughs> High quality effects budget in this show, I'll tell you that much. It's, uh, uh, it's Roger, obviously. He's, he's addicted to Angry Birds. <laughs> yes. And that's put us over the hour mark, so bye. <laughs> Good luck. Forty-two. You are now leaving the circle of confusion.